Okay, so let's then, I say, for the, the, the latter part of this uh, discussion, then think about uh, some clinical examples and also maybe get a bit more about nomenclature. Um, again, I hope it's fairly well known is that the suffix itis is often used uh, to describe inflammation of a particular body part. So mm -hmm. appendicitis, we've talked about a fair bit already, conjunctivitis, meningitis, pericarditis. Do you know what funicitis is, John? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hoped you. I hoped you wouldn't, because I'm going to leave the readers. I've no idea where my funis is. <laughs> Do I have one? Uh, Do well, boys have a funis? Um, we all had a funis at one stage. Oh well, detail. Uh, well, it's actually the umbilical cord. Really? So, so funicitis is just a, a peculiar word that means inflammation of the of the umbilical cord. Oh, I've never heard but that before. It's just you know, itis. And, the, and a, do we have an etc? Uh, <laughs> no, that's where the, okay. the list ends. Right. Okay. So. That's fine. So this is now just to say a number of different examples uh, of the inflammatory response at play in a clinical setting. So here is um, a patient who's actually had a, a, a myocarditis yeah. and has developed a pericarditis. So this is the heart. This is the heart sitting towards the left. And what we've done here is we've opened the pericardial yeah. sac yeah. being stretched off to the yeah. right. And the arrow is pointing to the pericardial space. Yeah. And within the pericardial space, you can see these strands of material, which are essentially very rich in fibrin. So because it's on a serous surface, the exudate rich in fibrinogen from the plasma has then produced fibrin strands and this is uh, the, and the polymorph neutrophils are also in the area so you're getting a, a fibrinous pericardial exudate yeah so that can't be very good for not at all not no. at all no okay so that's one example um here's an example of an established peri peritonitis mm -hmm. um i think this was due to so here's some small some bowel small bowel loops, loops all stuck so, together so the abdominal cavity bit of momentum up here maybe it, yeah that's right and uh, again we've got this this now a fibrinoprolent change so often when there's an established peritonitis from from potentially an appendicitis yeah. or from perforated diverticular yeah. disease, you again see, because we've got a lot of surfaces over the abdominal spaces, you've got lots of fibrin produced on a surface with pus cells, giving you this classical fibrinoprolent Yeah, exudate. and you see all this stuff. And, and it's all stuck you, together. Yeah, when you get in there, it's, you, you probably don't have to do it while there's no, still any no. danger of complications, but uh, no, it's, no. it's all stuck and horrible, isn't it? Yeah, it's really, yeah. really So is. that's another classic example of the inflammatory uh, process at, at play. Um, this is uh, oh, your a, cat. <laughs> you. No, 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 I'm not sure who this poor patient <laughs> oh, was, but, but you can see here a patient who has been bitten by an animal, uh, and you can see again the, the classical sh changes of, uh, of of inflammation. You've got swelling of the area mm. clearly. It's red, um, and there's uh, there's uh, some, I'm sure there'll be some discomfort and pain. Mm. The area the patient would be using their hand very easily. So again, the classical features of an acute inflammatory response. This time, of course, there's a potential difficulties with uh, the animal bite having carrying a number of bacteria, mm. which have been then deeply implanted into the tissues. So the body is going to be at some difficulties in trying to eliminate that. The patient mm. clearly maybe you know, would benefit from mm. antibiotic therapies. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So cat, cat bite's very nasty because it's got long, sharp teeth. Human yeah. bites, even worse. Apparently, yeah, that's yeah. right. The bacterial flora, flora are very, very uh, nasty in the, in, the, in the mouth, as you say, mm. yeah. Okay. Um, this is an example of a meningitis. Um, so we have. So this, is, this is from an orthopedic surgeon because they, were, they weren't using it. So <laughs> using it. Is, that right? is that right? I couldn't possibly comment. Uh, but on, on the bottom left photograph, you can see what we have the, the cranial cavity opened, looking down from yeah. above. And we've reflected. So the skull's gone. The skull is gone, exactly. And then here's the. And this is the dura, dura. which has, been, which has yeah. been reflected back. Yeah. And you can't see the normal 
surface uh, gyre and sulky of the brain. Instead, it's yeah, replaced by this rather... sticking up like islands, can't Exactly, you? but rather this horrible, rather yellow-green oh, material. Dear. And this is an example of a, a really quite a, a raging, nasty... Uh, uh, bacterial meningitis. It's going to be quite bad for you to be yeah. to have this view, I suppose. Exactly. But, um, exactly. Yeah, that's, so sadly, the patient terrible, passed away from yeah. from meningitis. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's a, an example from, from the lung. So um, we talk about numbers of different ways in which mm. the, the lung responds to inflammation. We think about lobar pneumonia mm. and bronchopneumonia. Uh, on the left-hand side, you've got a, a left lung here with a, a relatively unaffected upper lobe, mm -hmm. but the lower lobe is really quite firm and pale this is a relatively later stage of uh, acute pneumonic consolidation so-called and learning as we have about the inflammatory response in the lung uh, we can uh, rather in general in the lung we can apply that knowledge and say what's happening in the lung is that the, the alveolar spaces that the, the air spaces are literally being packed out by polymorph yeah. neutrophils yeah. and in the initial stages that makes the lung very red and firm mm -hmm. and in fact old-fashioned pathologists of which I am sadly one would often talk about uh, hepatinization of the, li of the of the lung. So it looks a bit like the liver. Exactly, it's right. red and firm. It's so red and firm it looks like liver. So hepatinization, so red hepatinization, and then as resolution begins and the polymorphs start to, to dwindle and macrophages move in to to to, to eat up the debris, mm -hmm. then you talk about grey hepatinization, which is where we're at, we're at here. Okay, so this and this looks like a big lump of foam or something. Absolutely, or it, it's, it's very it's very alien to what normal lung should look like. Yeah, okay, and um, this clearly this that's sort of honeycomb. Yeah. and that is just it's, solid. It's completely solid. And so you can see why it's too difficult to breathe, and then the, the clinical signs, that's sort of to transmit the sound better, so you'll have all those, so sound, can, those, those exactly. signs of, of consolidation. Exactly, delta and, uh, percussion and so yeah, on. Yeah. And, and the, the right-hand side is just a, a, a similar process, but this is now is occurring in a much more uh, patchy way in the mm -hmm. lung. This is a bronchopneumonia as opposed to a lobe pneumonia, mm -hmm. so you get just areas being affected rather more haphazardly in all lobes of the lung, mm -hmm. and this patient's probably got a degree of chronic obstructive uh, uh, pulmonary mm -hmm. disease in that although it's not very well shown perhaps towards the upper zone there's a little bit in the way of emphysematous change the lung has, has oh, collapsed okay. down it's, it's it's not quite as full on the apical yeah. uh, lobe there. yeah and that and, and it looks like that because the big air pockets which have the air's escaped because it's exactly you've got it on the on the bench and the air's just collapsed and so the, the whole thing sagged down yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. Like a crisp so, packet when you've opened it. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> I know you know pathologists like food analogies. So. Yeah, yes, we do, we do. Yeah. Okay, so we're, not, we're sort of coming towards the end now. We're, we now can just revisit this uh, diagram that we showed earlier on, which, as I say, looks at the, the, the sequelae, if you like, of, uh, of the inflammatory response. And we've discussed, haven't we, how uh, this is characterised by vascular changes, cellular migration changes, and so on. And depending upon the tissue that we're looking at, we can either lead to, uh, and the extent of the damage, we can either lead to a, a situation of resolution mm -hmm. uh, and, and the, the whole thing being restored back to normal, or if the tissue has been damaged and, and it can't repair itself, then you get um, scarring and fibrosis, healing by repair by scarring, or if the injury persists, as I say, moving on to chronic inflammation. And at some point, hopefully, we can go on to discuss chronic inflammation as a, as a, as a separate topic, thinking about how the body's responses vary in a chronic inflammatory setting with different cells being recruited in order to try and uh, mm -hmm. re repair the injury. Mm -hmm. um, and just as a sort of prelude to that, you know, here are a number of just different photographs uh, taken to show uh, this this chronic inflammatory response. I think the the rather dramatic one here on the uh, the sort of uh, the, the right hand side is mm -hmm. is I think of a patient who was using intravenous drugs, and this is the sort of changes that can occur in in, yeah. in, in the skin uh, because of 
ongoing uh, persisting injury. Yeah. Um, uh, the the others, um, it's just a, where there's been area of tissue damage which is is not resolved. So we can think about specifics next time, perhaps. But here's an example of a of, of a, a lesion on the chin where mm -hmm. either because there's been repeated injury or because of the nature of the infection, it hasn't resolved and it's been sitting there for some time. And this has now moved on to a chronic mm. inflammatory response. Mm. Okay, and if we then uh, just think about one particular, if you like, as a prelude to the as a classical example of the chronic inflammatory response. Here's a chest x-ray taken from a patient who has uh, what looks like a sort of cavity, a cavitating lesion in the upper part of, the, of, of the, the right lung there. And this would be very classical for uh, a tuberculous infection. Mm. And tuberculosis, as I'm sure we know, is a, is a, a sort of very classical example of a, of a chronic inflammatory response because the mycobacterium that causes tuberculosis has a number of strategies to evade uh, uh, the acute inflammatory response, as it were, the acute inflammatory response is not sufficient to overcome mycobacteria. Mm. We always move on to this chronic inflammatory uh, change, and we then move to you know chronic inflammatory uh, changes in the lung with abscess formation mm. and, and, and mycobacteria. So this change. was full of pus. This was full of pus, yeah. but but in fact, uh, not so much pus because it's now, um, in fact, not really pus to be honest with you, right. because what we're saying here is this is the chronic inflammatory response. So the cavity is actually just destroyed liver tissue, uh, destroyed lung tissue yep. rather, and uh, is maybe filled just with with, with, with debris um, and uh, has a in tuberculosis a particular feature, which is that of granulomatous change. Yeah. And um, granulomatous is a particular word that we'll think about another time. Yep. So so we wouldn't actually see much in the way of pus in that cavity, rather just destroyed lung tissue. Yeah, because as we said, pus is polymorpho. Nuclear. cells and these and these are the cells of the acute inflammatory response rather than those that characterize yeah. a long-standing uh, abscess such yeah. as this one and I think that is a cue for us to stop okay so well, that, that's uh, fantastic I mean there's, there's a lot in there David thank you very much for taking it to you very clearly so just summarize a lot in there what, what are, what's the key take-home messages two or three things everyone should remember sure so I think from the podcast what we'd like the, the listeners to have is now a better understanding of what the acute inflammatory response is as a stereotypic response to injury to understand that it has these three basic components as we said of the alterations in the vessels the migration of cells and the orchestration of the response by a number of of, uh, of chemical agents and also to have seen the inflammatory response at play in a number of different clinical settings uh, and its relevance obviously to mm. to clinical medicine great well thank you very much we'll be uh, hearing from you about chronic inflammation in the near future okay i hope so okay okay thank, thank you. you very much indeed